Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio and this is episode 65 and it's the first one for 2018. And then check this out. Look, so I had planned to put a show out at the end of December and I actually recorded one. And it was about an hour long of me talking about uh, probably some of the same stuff I'm going to talk about tonight. And I was really excited because I was, wow, you know, I'm going to get the second one out for December and I'm going to stick to my schedule. And I went and I listened to it. And even though I have this great microphone and, you know, I've got this whole little setup with an arm to keep it from making any noise. And it's a, you know, I got a little windscreen, you know, like a real professional (laughs) audio recording person. I listened to the, after I recorded it, I listened to it. And I'm like, it sounds like I'm talking through a toilet bowl and I don't understand what's going on. And, you know, it was an hour long of me talking. And, and you know what? I didn't do uh, a test ahead of time. I think for some strange reason, I wasn't recording through this very professional mic that I'm talking to you now through. And somehow uh, the mic wasn't recording and the mic on the computer was recording. So I sounded like I was 14 feet away. <laughs> And I was talking through a toilet bowl and there was just no way that I could release that. It was just, you know, I have some pride in at least making it the, the sound uh, acceptable to your ears and to my ears as well. And to listen to me drone on for <laughs> to drone on for an hour and it sounded like I'm coming from the bathroom. Uh, it was just it, it wasn't going to happen, you know, so um, is it? <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. I didn't put out a, a an episode in the last part of December. I didn't put out anything even saying that I was not putting out an episode. I'm just sort of popping up here saying, here I am. And uh, I'm going to try to cover some of the same topics tonight. I guess, we, you know, we do it right because we do it twice. Uh, you know, I'm doing the, this is the second attempt at, at some of the same subject matter. Um, maybe I'll approach it differently, but I'd rather have you guys listen to me and at least have me sound like I'm coming, you know, th- through something professional and, and is nice to your ears. And, uh, you know, if it's just going to be my voice tonight, which it is, uh, that you might as well have something that sounds good. So uh, I've already tested this microphone uh, half a dozen times to make sure that I was actually recording from it. I'm also recording from a different computer. I'm not doing it from my laptop. This computer does not have a mic on it other than the one that I'm plugging in. So there's no way that uh, I can record off of a off the computer mic because... There isn't one. So uh, I'm looking at all my levels. Everything looks good. And uh, I think I sound okay to my own ears. You know, you might hear the occasional traffic going on on the background, but then you guys are used to that, right? But you don't want to hear me sound like I'm talking from some, you know, uh, hole in the wall or something like that. It's just, I couldn't bear it. Uh, I didn't delete the, com- you know, I didn't delete it. Uh, probably ought to have. Uh, in fact, I probably should have listened to it because some of the same things I want to talk about. I can't remember what I was talking about on that episode. But anyway, I got a couple of them down. So anyway, this is episode 65 and the first one for first one for 2018. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, it's, you know, a few days after it's a couple of weeks after New Year's. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to say hi. And, you know, this is the start of a new year. And let, let's see what we can get going. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, which I did talk about uh, the failed episode uh, was a follow-up on my experiences with the birthday present that I got. I got that uh, Polaroid One Step uh, Number Two uh, from Polaroid, and uh, the quick story about that was I um, was taking it with me on a trip to some friend's house in uh, Connecticut. We we're having a, a pre-Christmas party. We call it Christmas in Connecticut, and uh, I I want originally to buy some uh, film from Polaroid. Uh, during Black Friday, and uh, I bought some, uh, a few packs of the film. I was in, I was intending to bring it to this uh, Christmas in Connecticut, and uh, you know they had a little bit of a discount because it was Black Friday, and I bought I don't know I think maybe six packs of film, and each pack has eight exposures. So I figured you know six packs would be enough, and I, these were the kind of film that uh, the Polaroid film that has different colored uh, borders on it. So I thought it'd be really fun to take pictures of my friends and stuff with these different color borders and share them. And uh, when I ordered them on Polaroid's website, I really never got an email confirmation uh, or anything that it was shipping uh, or anything. And, you know, at at some point I thought, you know what, maybe the order never went through. And I had checked back on the website and there was no way to double check whether or not I actually had placed the order. 
So I'm getting close to the the day I'm going away, and uh, I realize and it's like you know a few days ahead, and I realize I don't have any you know extra film. I just have like two packs, and so I go to B and H's site. I figure, well, Polaroid is a bust, so I'll just you know order from B and H, and B and H is they they ship out of Brooklyn as well. So I figured whatever I would order, and especially if we did overnight shipping. I'd get it before I was going on the trip. So I ordered another like six or eight packs of film and, you know, did overnight shipping and whatnot. And uh, I think we had, I don't know if we had a snowstorm. No, I don't know. If, I don't think we had a snowstorm. But, you know, it comes the, you know, the day before I'm going away and I still haven't gotten the package yet. And I get an email from B&H saying, well, you know, it's it was been delayed. Uh, you know, I don't understand. You guys are <laughs> like, you know. 15 blocks away. I don't know how you can get delayed. It wasn't a weather thing. Actually, it wasn't a weather thing. It was just some sort of strange delay. And I didn't, uh, you know, I was going away on the Friday and here comes Thursday and I still haven't, you know, they said, well, the package will come tomorrow, meaning it would come on Friday when I'm about to leave and I wasn't going to be able to get the package. So I'm like, great. So I head over to Best Buy and they happen to have the Polaroid film. Actually, I go on their website and I, I lock in six more rolls, uh, sorry, rolls, six more packs of the Polaroid film to make sure I've got enough to go with me on the trip. So I go and pick it up on that Thursday and suddenly Friday comes along and guess what? UPS delivers the film that I ordered from uh, B&H early and so I've got like two boxes of film, I mean two, like uh, 12 packs of film and uh, I go away for the weekend, and I'll tell you about that in a second. And I come back next, the week after. And the week after, uh, I got a package from Polaroid uh, with the other six packs of film. So I ended up with multiple, multiple packs of film. I think I spent hundreds of dollars on this film. Remember, it's not that cheap, the Polaroid film. It's it's minimum two bucks a shot, uh, a little bit more depending on where you buy it from or if you use the uh, colored borders, like I was telling you before about some colored border fixtures. Those are a little bit higher. Wait, no, no, sorry, not the colored borders aren't higher. The film comes in two different styles, one with a battery built in and one without a battery built in. The older Polaroid cameras, which this film can work in, older Polaroid cameras uh, did not have batteries in them. So every time you bought a pack of film, the film came with a battery built into it, and that would power some of these cameras. And so Polaroid today is making a film pack that has this battery so it can cater to the older cameras their new camera the, the one steps Two, the one that i got for my birthday it has its own built-in battery uh, it's really cool you can charge it with a usb and whatnot and so the polaroid also sells the film without the battery built in and there's a like a two dollar difference between those two packs of film the one with the battery is a little bit more expensive and the one without but you know some places like best buy only had the film that had the battery in it I, I believe. And so I ended up buying that film stock. So it's a little bit more expensive. And uh, one thing is uh, I just noticed um, I've been uh, if you guys if anybody of you is using this Polaroid camera, you want to be very, very careful with that battery pack when you dispose of it. Um, I've been taking apart the package when I've been done with it. And there's like a metal spring that holds the, the paper. And then you have a plastic container that can that holds all the film. And then you have this battery. And there's two open contacts on it. And anyway, uh, I started pulling it apart because I figured I could recycle everything. I still have to figure out how to recycle the battery. But I had put the battery down on my table. And I put this metal spring that came with the film stock. I put it on top of the battery, not really paying attention. Well, guess what? The metal spring was touching the two contacts of the battery. So at some point I picked up, I, moved, I was moving around and I picked up the spring and then I picked up the battery pack and the battery pack was really, really hot. And I realized, oh crap, the uh, spring that was on it was making contact with the two contacts of the battery pack and was thus overcharging or discharging the battery or causing it to overheat. And I was really lucky that uh, I, I noticed it in time. I was worried that uh, you know maybe it might have exploded or it might have caught on fire or something. So if you disassemble these Polaroid packs, please be very, very careful with them and uh, figure out where you can recycle the battery carefully. And what I figured out to do was to take some uh, duct tape or masking tape or something like that and just cover those contacts immediately so that there's no way that metal could touch them. Um, but the other parts of the, the pack of film are, are um, recyclable, the plastic container that the film is in and then the metal spring. Those you can just throw in your recycling bin. 
the battery, I think you got you to dispose of properly. I wouldn't just throw that into the garbage, so, uh, you know, because there's so much junk in, the, in our garbage system anyway. Figure out some way to recycle the batteries. But if you're storing them, uh, cover them up with tape that will protect you from uh, any kind of overheating like me. And I'm really happy that I found them. Anyway, going back to <laughs> what I was going to tell you is I brought the camera with me to this, uh, this Polaroid camera to this trip uh, with my friends uh, in Connecticut. And we did this Christmas in Connecticut. It was just a friends gathering. We do this before. We do this every year. And uh, I brought the Polaroid with me. And guess what? It was a blast. All of us are from that uh, period of time when we all sort of grew up with Polaroids and everybody had one. And so people were so happy to see this camera again. And I was taking pictures and everybody was looking at the prints and saying this is what they remember Polaroids to look like. So Polaroid did a really good job at uh, bringing the film back and making it that same kind of look that we all remembered uh, for those of us who were old enough, the way the old Polaroids looked. The uh, the only uh, downside a little bit was that, you know, when you take a picture with this new Polaroid, you really have to cover it in the dark for uh, at least the first minute. And then it takes at least 10 to 15 minutes for it to process. It was taking a little bit longer up there because the temperature was cold, although I was sticking it in my pocket. But it wasn't like you had that immediate... Uh, you take a picture and watch it develop, and then everybody can see it, and then you're done in a couple of minutes. That's the original Polaroid. This one doesn't it doesn't work that fast. It works. It takes 10 or 15 minutes to process. Uh, they're not kidding. That's what they said on their literature. And, yeah, it took a while to process. It might be, again, a little bit longer in the cold uh, because it was cold and colder in Connecticut than it was here in New York City. And, uh, like I said, all I did was I would stick it. I would take the picture, and I would stick it in my pocket, uh, a, to keep it dark, and B, to let it process and stay warm because uh, it was closer to my body. So the, that's kind of the way the old Polaroids, Polaroids work, too. If you took a picture of Polaroid, you, you know, some people like would stick the, uh, the Polaroid underneath their armpit to keep it, <laughs> to keep it warm and help it process. Uh, so this one I just stuck in my pocket. But um, once the pictures were done and I was, I was showing them to everybody, Everybody was so happy about it. My, my wife was saying how much she really loved it. And she's the one who gave me the camera for my birthday. So it was really great for her to be able to see, you know, uh, something that she gave me that is also giving back to her uh, and giving back to everybody, you know. And, you know, one of the first issues I, I noticed uh, was that, okay, well, what am I going to do with these pictures? I've got, I've got all these prints. And how am I going to share them, you know, and uh, I, I'm still not quite used to actually giving my pictures away to people. <laughs> you know, I, I know I probably should because really, you know what, I don't want these prints. I really don't want all these prints hanging up because I'm just going to stick them in a box someplace and I might forget about them or at least, you know, they might get lost. And I was thinking I really need to think about what I'm going to do with these prints. Now, I, I, the first thing is I did, I did a couple of things. First, is that sort of like at the end of the day, after I took all the pictures and we were done, maybe the, uh, at the end of the day I would um, gather all the pictures, and then in the morning when I got up really early, uh, I would find some place that was outdoors or something in my friend's um, in house, and I would find some place to set these prints up, the Polaroid prints, and I would set them up, and then I would use my Fuji camera to take a picture of them. And so what I was doing, my intention was to place them someplace with a background, and so basically treating the prints as an object. And when I did that and I took a picture of them, I would go back to my Fuji camera and I might like adjust some of the colors on it to punch them up a little bit uh, or get, you know, change the white balance a little bit. Um, but basically I was taking these shots as if they were objects because they are objects. And then I would take those pictures off my Fuji camera and then uh, do my regular processing to them, put them on my iPhone and then put them up on Facebook or wherever I want to share them with and then, you know, tag everybody. And everybody was saying that's such a great way to experience the pictures because then they can share them with people and they can see, everybody can see the, the print and sort of a location and notice that it's an object and, you know, kind of treating the picture with some reverence a little bit, which is you know, maybe going a little overboard. You know, we never did this one when, <laughs> when I had the original Polaroids, but that's because back then we only had film. And so we just sort of, you know, didn't pay it any more mind than than uh, any other piece of film. You know, we would just take a picture and throw it in a box someplace or just give it away. Uh, today, you know, these pictures, they're, they're 2 to 3 maybe $4 per print. So, you know, it is becoming an expensive object. And, you know, 
nowadays everybody wants to see a picture, so you have to figure out some way to share them. Uh, so that was one of the ways that I came up with, like sort of an immediate share. I tried shooting it with my iPhone, and I don't know, it wasn't quite good enough because the iPhone's lens is wide, and it, you know, I really wanted something tight. The other thing is I wanted to take a picture of the piece of film, uh, sorry, the Polaroid print, without getting my reflection in it because the print itself is very glossy. So I wanted to use sort of a telephoto lens and pull back a little bit. That way I wouldn't actually see my reflection or the camera's reflection in the print because the print surface is glossy. So I was able to stand back a little bit and uh, and do that. But, I mean, you know, I could have used my iPhone. If I didn't have anything, I'd, you know, an iPhone would have been fine. Uh, or, or, you know, a camera phone, I should say. Uh, that would have been okay. But uh, I wanted a little bit, you know, you know, I happen to have my Fuji camera with me, so I wanted something a little bit better quality. So that's what I did. And then, uh, so that was an immediate way to share during the weekend and put them up on Facebook. And anyway, people were tagging themselves and having a great time. And everyone was like, oh, man, I love these pictures, blah, blah, blah. Then when I got home uh, back to Brooklyn, um, I put the uh, prints on my Epson scanner and just started to scan them as sort of like a final record of them, like a high-res scan of them. Uh, not the greatest scanner in the world, but really good enough for what I wanted them for. You know, it was like... 600 dpi scanner now we've got some sort of little permanent record which is just a scan of the print itself no background or anything like that and this way i just crop it and now i have sort of a digital version of that uh, another digital version i should say of that print without a backdrop and more of a traditional scanning but now i'm still left with all these prints and i don't want to keep all of them so it's just a matter of me looking through them sorting them out thinking the ones i want to keep and then looking at the people in the shots and saying, okay, I want to send these pictures to this person and that person, really just sort of spread the love. And, and, and because I think that's what the Polaroid camera is really about. It's like not wanting to, it's not a, 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 you know, I have to treat it differently than digital. First of all, I can't shoot as many pictures as, you know, it's two bucks a shot minimum. But the other thing is that I think I'm, uh, the way I'm using it, or at least the way I've used it so far since then, I mean, I've used it a couple times since that uh, Christmas in Connecticut, which was early in uh, mid early December, um, I've been basically bringing it to me with me to parties and events where I know there's gonna be a lot of people because this kind of camera to me does not the kind that I want to take shots of like landscapes or or um, details at least not yet. Uh, I'm not using it for anything other than like uh, when there are people together and and it, you know the I'll sh I'll put up a couple of pictures in the show notes so you can see it and I'll certainly tag one on the. Uh, on the file, on the uh, MP3 file, so you can see it on the uh, on the Podbean page. But um, I don't know. To me, I've always used this camera. Even when I first had it as a kid, I would take pictures of my cats, take pictures of my friends when we had a party. Uh, you know, sometimes I would take pictures of objects or places, but, you know, that wasn't the main use of it. The main use was really for having a good time and having fun. And I'm realizing that was what I'm, I've been doing with it. Uh, you know, I might, uh, Mac... Max Sikorsky from, uh, you know, our, our, our cousin from another planet, <laughs> another planet, another mother uh, from, you know, the Sid and Mac podcast uh, street. Um, wow, man, I'm spacing out here from uh, Shutter Time with Sid and Mac. Mac, first thing I, he said to me when I, I think I said I had the Polaroid uh, I posted on Facebook, he goes, now take it outside. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll take it outside. I just haven't taken it outside yet. I'm thinking, you know, maybe at some point I'll use it for some of my street portraits and whatnot, but I'm not quite there yet, um, at least not with this camera. But it definitely has that uh, I want to use it for people and I want to share the prints. Like, I don't really want to keep these prints and hoard them for myself, um, mainly because I think it's just, you know, the idea of uh, taking pictures. You know, I, I always say, like, uh, I, I take pictures. I don't give pictures, <laughs> which is my sort of lame excuse for not sharing prints of uh, parties and events that I take, uh, you know, with family and stuff like that. That's a pretty lame thing to say, actually. Uh, but it was kind of, I say it jokingly, tongue in cheek. But um, I think the the Polaroid uh, camera really lends itself to, here's a picture and I took it in here. You can have it. And it's, you know, it's a gift and it's a, it's a way of um, sharing the vision, you know, and it's not something that is uh, digital. It's not a Facebook thing. It's not an Instagram thing. It's it's a you know a three dimensional object that people can do what they want. Tack it onto the refrigerator, 
throw it in a box, do whatever they want, but it exists in the outside space. And so I'm always for that. And I think that's what this Polaroid camera is going to give me. Although we'll see, you know, how I go this year. I've got, I'm looking back and I've got, oh my gosh, how much film? Yeah, I got like 20 packs of film sitting back there. Uh, so I can't imagine I'm going to wait for every party that uh, I go to, which I don't go to a lot of parties. Uh, you know, I'm not going to wait to to use the film just for uh, just for events. So I will do something else with it. But I am also, and I've mentioned this before, I am also receiving a couple of other uh, instant cameras that uh, I ordered or, or backed on Kickstarter, not Indiegogo. I think they're Kickstarter, both of them. Uh, and they should be coming in relatively soon. Uh, one of them is the uh, Lomo Instant Square, and that should be shipping. Hopefully, I get mine this week. I mean, I just met someone in the neighborhood who are who's a photographer, and they also backed it, and they got theirs. Uh, and it looked like a pretty cool camera. I uh, didn't see any of the pictures yet from it, and it's a smaller square format than the Polaroid. It uses the uh, Fuji Instax film, and Instax has... Uh, three different formats it's got the, a square format that's smaller than the uh smaller than the polaroid um, but it's still square same kind of format you know it's the heavy border on the bottom and then the white borders along the top and the side then there's a horizontal uh or pan, not, not panoramic but a horizontal format uh, film in stacks and then there's a business card size two by three teeny tiny and uh, so this Lomo uses the square format. And the other camera I'm looking forward to, actually probably a little bit more forward to than the Lomo, is this thing called the Jolly Look. And it's a, it's a camera that's designed in an old style. It has a bellows. It uses a Fresnel uh, viewfinder, meaning just like a little piece of uh, focusing glass on the um, sort of on the front of the camera, which you then... Uh, used to uh, frame up your shot and it's got a glass lens the, the entire camera though is made of cardboard uh, except for some of the mechanicals in it and it uses the instax film it uses the small business card size film and what you do is i guess you take a picture with it uh, and it has you know a limited amount of shutters and i don't think it has any aperture and you take a picture with it and then you use this hand crank to actually crank out the Instax film. And that helps to process it and you end up with this little piece of film. The camera looks like it's, you know, it belongs in, you know, 1800s or something like that. And uh, it it only uses the small film. And I ordered two of them because their prices were so good. So I figured you know, if one gets damaged and wet, <laughs> I'm not going to take it out in the rain, obviously. But, you know, I figured the price was right. I think it was like $90 for the two for the two cameras. And so uh, I don't even think it uses any batteries, right? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have to because there's nothing, uh, there's no flash built into it. Uh, it really is a mechanical uh, uh, camera. There's no, um, I think there's no battery to it. The Instax film, all it needs is a way to come out and use this hand crank. So that's manual. And when you hand crank it, it goes through the rollers, which then, uh, releases the uh, processing onto the uh, sensitive film. So that, I think, is supposed to be coming uh, in the next month. And so, yeah, by, you know, sometime this year, I'm going to have at least three instant cameras. Well, you know, last year I had none. Uh, the Polaroid I really wanted for my birthday. And by the way, I've only gotten Polaroid cameras like this for my birthday. Uh, ever since I was a kid, uh, I never bought one of these cameras for myself. Someone has always bought one for me. So it's always been a gift, which is really interesting. I never never thought about that. I had some professional Polaroid cameras that, uh, or Polaroid uh, uh, devices that I would use for my 35mm cameras or my 4x5 cameras, the, the older, the um, large uh, studio cameras. Uh, those are things that I purchased myself. But like a, a standalone Polaroid camera, I think I've only gotten as gifts. So... Uh, very interesting, uh, except for these other two, um, these other two, uh, the Lomo and the uh, and the Jolly Look are things that I bought myself or backed, I should say, through you know Kickstarter because it seemed like a really good, cool idea, and I really wanted to get more into doing the instant photography. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking that Jolly Look is kind of the kind of camera I'd like to go outside with, uh, and maybe use that as sort of a way to to get. Uh, you know, people to sort of notice me and maybe be able to start taking portraits uh, in a different way uh, using the jolly look and then also maybe using my digital camera, using those two things combined uh, somehow, maybe using the jolly look as an intro and, and then doing regular portraits. I don't know. We'll see. Um, 
But anyway, uh, wow, I just talked to you for about 25 minutes about <laughs> the instant cameras. So uh, I wanted to share that. And it's just a, sort of a follow-up on my uh, experience as, uh, you know, a new, uh, renewed uh, instant photographer. Hey, so the other thing I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit, and it's sort of like, obviously it's going to be a one-way conversation, but I want you guys to sort of think about this, um, is I've been seeing these articles lately uh, one popped up in uh, late last year from Petapixel, and I'm going to find it for you. Uh, where is it? I've got it someplace on my my thing here. Hang on a second. Okay. All right. So it was a uh, Petapixel article relating to something that Google was doing. And so let me just read the uh, – it's from December 26, 2017, and the headline is Google's new AI – can score photos on technical and aesthetic quality. Okay, so that caught my eye. I'm like, what? what is this? And uh, so just scanning the article, I'll read a little bit about it. I don't want to read the whole thing, but the article refers to uh, a Google white paper that came out uh, where Google, of course, you know, Google is doing all sorts of uh, experimental things with imagery and uh, you name it. Google's got the money and they've got the talent and they're just, you know, they're running tests on everything. And one of the things they decided to do was uh, create a, an artificial intelligence system that's trained to rate photographs. And they're trained to rate them whether or not they are good technically and attractive aesthetically. I mean, oh my gosh. And they call it NIMA, N-I-M-A, standing for Neural Image Assessment. And let me just quote what the uh, white paper says. It says, uh, Quantification of image quality and aesthetics has been a long-standing problem in image processing and computer vision, the researchers write. Uh, let's see. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Because our proposed network can be used to not only score images reliably and with high correlation to human perception, but also it is useful for a variety of labor-intensive and subjective tasks such as intelligent photo editing, optimizing visual quality for increased user engagement, or minimizing perceived visual errors in an imaging pipeline. Okay, so uh, what I'm reading here is that uh, Google's come up with some sort of system to be able to look at your pictures, right, and judge them based on uh, a machine learning uh, or algorithm, let's say, uh, to look at your shots and say, okay, this one's good, this one's not good, this one's good, this one's not good. This one that's not good, it will adjust X, Y, and Z to make it look good. And now you're going to have pictures that are going to be more popular with people when you share them. And I'm like, head slap, okay? <laughs> you know? um, I mean, of course, it's a matter of, it was you know a matter of time before somebody figured something like this out, because why not, you know? But um, I... I was just, uh, okay, great. Now, uh, someone thinks that, uh, someone at Google thinks that um, uh, photos, uh, are, that uh, quantification uh, of aesthetics is a, a problem and um, that uh, somehow we need a computer system to help figure that out. So I was like a little bit uh, perturbed by this, but uh, I'm not surprised. So another thing that popped up uh, after I read this uh, Google article, uh, something came up in my uh, my uh, app store on my uh, computer, and uh, sometimes I check the app store to see where the new um, photo apps are are happening, and something popped up called Photo Lemur, and I was like, well, let me take a closer look at that. And the first thing I read, the first sentence in the uh, Mac app store, the description says Photo Lemur makes your photos great automatically. I'm like, mm-hmm, okay. It is the fastest and easiest way to make all your photos look great using the power of artificial intelligence. No complex sliders, no waste of time, no complex learning. Get flawless raw support and picture-perfect enhancement in seconds. And I was like, head slap again. Oh, no. Okay, so look, you know, we've had, um, you know, we've had Photoshop. We have uh, Lightroom. And we have whatever whatever apps we have right now that are photo uh, processing programs, uh, Photoshop included. These apps have these automatic buttons 
that you uh, press and hopefully they will uh, get your picture started to look good. Now, as far as I know, none of these current apps are using algorithms or machine learning to process your image uh, to make them, to, to jazz them up. Uh, and again, they don't always, the, these little uh, automatic buttons don't always work to make the picture look good. Sometimes they go overboard. It all depends on what your picture is starting off to look like. Um, whether or not these uh, automatic controls can work. But they're sometimes good starting points, you know. And then uh, usually what they do is when you hit automatic, they, you know, change some sliders in the program and then you can go and adjust them further. Um, but these are all based on your, you know, what your idea of your picture should look like. What's going on with these, you know, this Google app, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, or this Google uh, white paper and this photo app is that they're using algorithms or something to uh, decide what, is uh, what a good picture is going to look like. And based on some sort of, let's say, survey, you know, not maybe not a literal survey, uh, or maybe a literal survey, I don't know, but uh, certainly not a um, uh, person or a single person's judgment of what uh, will make a picture look better. What I'm getting from this Google white paper is that they are looking at um, pictures that, exist already and how people react to pictures and they're finding out what the qualities of those images are and then are somehow programming that into this artificial intelligence so that when it does look at your pictures it can say you know based on you know uh, this x y and z, z survey uh, of previous imagery this is how people react and so perhaps we need to add more contrast and perhaps we need to increase the saturation or whatever it's going to do is going to make your picture quote unquote more aesthetically pleasing to people uh, who view it and um, the first thing I want to say that's such a load of crap that I can't even believe that they would do this but of, of course why wouldn't they do this because there are so many people who don't really understand what makes a good photograph and so having a machine tell them what a good photograph is uh, is is going to be very desirable. This photo lemur software is just um, it is using some or also an artificial intelligence. I don't know. It's probably not based on this Google uh, white paper at all. Um, but you know the the coincidence that these two uh, these two uh, things are appearing uh, so close in time means I think people are working on this a lot. But this photo lemur seems more of a processing. Uh, program and the uh, Google white paper is also talking about, you know, editing your pictures. So basically, looking at perhaps, you know, a hundred of your images and saying, okay, this, 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 and this uh, will are, stand out. Basically, doing what a photo editor does, and then saying, take these pictures that I'm selecting or it's selecting for you, and then apply these kind of corrections to it, and then you're going to make your picture more popular. And the danger. I see about this and dangers, I don't want to be hyperbolic here. I mean, it's not dangerous and you're not going to blow up and go to jail. But what I, I've seen this happen before and I'm, uh, I'm going to go on a limb a little bit. I know probably a bunch of uh, uh, people in the audience also use this service, but 500 pixels is uh, uh, one of the things that I've talked about in the past uh, on this show, I think, but certainly on other shows that... Uh, people who use it, uh, the pictures all begin to look alike on the on the uh, on the website, and I don't mean that liter literally. But there's a, I've kind of always looked at those uh, that site, and also you know if you think about it, like wallpaper sites, you know wallpapers actually have more, um, it's probably more obvious on a wallpaper site, I think, uh, where the images all start to look alike. You know they all look like they've been high dynamic ranged uh, pictures, so all the tonal values are there. Are very highly saturated. All the waterfalls are shot with slow shutter speeds. Um, you know, all the grass is soft and beautiful. There's some quality to the images that begin to look the same. And I brought I brought up 500 pixels because um, well, I had noticed that starting to happen because that uh, when I saw that company uh, that website start, people were just uploading all sorts of pictures. But what happens is after a while. You know, photographers and people who view that site begin to give thumbs up to a certain style of picture. And then what happens is other photographers see that and say, oh, well, that kind of picture, um, that got a lot of hearts or a lot of stars or a lot of thumbs up or whatever they use. I don't know. 
uh, and they're very popular. So I'm going to start shooting like that uh, so that I can become more popular. And so it becomes a sort of feedback loop where people start to photograph in the same way that everybody else is photographing it because they really want to have their pictures become popular. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with becoming popular, but what I'm what I am saying is that there became this sort of um, lack of uh, difference in the pictures. And again, it's not you know it's not something that I can actually point to and say, oh yeah, this is exactly like this one. Like a person, this portrait is exactly like that waterfall. But there's a certain quality to them that I feel that became the same. Um, and you know whether photographers are doing this consciously or subconsciously, I don't know. I mean, I I know in some way that I've done this as well. And you know, I think I got some. Fe- actually, I got some feedback from a friend uh, saying that I, they were really digging the pictures that I'm putting up on uh, on Instagram, the street photos. But they said like maybe you want to lay off on the on the HDR. I'm like HDR. I'm like, doing HDR. I'm not. I'm, I wasn't even aware of doing HDR. I'm like, oh, but I am doing some. He goes, yeah, well, whatever you're doing, it kind of looks HDR and it kind of looks like everybody else's picture. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. And I was like, hmm, you know, maybe I'm catching myself doing kind of the same thing where I'm looking at Instagram. And like, what are the, you know, you know, because I go on Instagram and it's that's the way I share my street photography. And that's, you know, I don't mind them getting, you know, popular. And uh, I mean, I'm not shooting street photography to get popular, but, you know, I put them on Instagram and I guess, you know, of course it. If I didn't want the attention, I wouldn't put them up there. So I do want some sort of attention. I have to admit that. I think anybody who's on Instagram is is wanting some kind of attention. Uh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or we're all sort of into ourselves. It's just, you know, we want to share the pictures. And we want to say they come from us. Uh, but anyway, without getting into some, you know, thing about uh, Instagram, um, you know, I can see myself having done that. Uh, and so maybe like catching myself like, oh, yeah, you know what? You know, just stick to what I know and how I process my pictures and do it do it the way I want to do it not based on anything that I'm seeing by somebody else but anyway getting back to the Google um, white paper and I'll, I'll link it I read a little bit of it until my eyes crossed because I, I can't read this kind of stuff um, and make too much sense of it someone the, the petapixel article is nice because it sort of um, boils it down there's also a link on uh, I'll try to put it on from to the verge I think where this article came, article came to, to mind um, but I also post the the white paper in case you're interested. It's it's actually really kind of a cool science, you know. Someone's trying to figure out what, how people look at things and what you know what makes them more interesting pictures. Is there an aesthetic between certain kinds of pictures that people like and and sort of gravitate to? Uh, probably, you know. But what's the criteria for that? You're going to use the criteria of the masses, like you know. A thousand people like, you know, uh, you show a picture to a thousand people, 900 of them like this style, but the 100 don't like it. And so we're, what are we catering to? We're catering to the 900 people and not the 100 people. And why would you want to do that? Why would you want to have your picture popular for 900 people? Well, like, of course, now I'm saying that I can think about, you know, a dozen reasons. One of them is like, okay, well, maybe I want to sell my pictures. I want people to buy them hang them up on their wall. And so if they're popular with more people, yes, of course, the 900 people is going to be more chance of me wanting to sell the picture. So why wouldn't I do that? Okay, fine. And then, you know, those 100 people who, you know, don't like the style, well, to heck with them. Um, They're not going to like it. And so it's not the popular way to to go about things. So, um, you know, I could see that. And there's probably other reasons why people would want to do that. Um, you know, and, and we all want to sort of create beautiful things. And if the vast majority of people are saying this is beautiful and maybe we want to keep doing that. But, you know, I don't know. I want you guys to think about this a little bit. Uh, you're going to probably start seeing this happen a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised if this Google uh, technology is going to be uh, released or come out in something in the not too distant future. Like I'm saying, I'm already looking at this app called Photo Lemur and it's using artificial intelligence to enhance your pictures. My guess is artificial intelligence is based on some sort of algorithm that's saying what's going to make your pictures look better. Um, now, I'm not going to download it. I don't want to try it. I think, oh, you know what? Their website, hang on. Their website, they have a free version. So I might actually download it and play with a free version. On the uh, App Store, it is $20. And they say that's 50% off to celebrate the winter holidays. I'm not really into spending 20 bucks just to test something out. But, um, you know, 
So let's look at the other side of it. There are some people who don't like to sit in front of Photoshop or sit in front of Lightroom and enhance their pictures and make them look, um, I don't want to say better, because better is not the word. You know, the pictures that come out of the camera are generally pretty nice looking, and sometimes people want to tweak them to do certain things to them. I know that's what I do. Um, and this is funny. I'm thinking about it. You know, I actually do use, you know, uh, I, I have a processing, you know, formula, quote unquote, that I like to use, or like I like to say recipe, uh, that is something that, uh, you know, I'm reacting to feedback from people, you know, regarding the person who said I was using too much HDR. HDR. Um, yes, I'll agree with that. And, but like, you know, people are like, you know, signing uh, their, um, you know, following me on Instagram and I'm putting on another picture and I'm like, oh, people are reacting to that. And I'm so, maybe I'm creating my own <laughs> machine learning, you know, recipe and not really moving out of any kind of style. So anyway, I'm, what I'm saying is that, that we can get sort of locked into, into this thing that we want the pictures, our pictures to look good and we want people to be um, uh, liking them, uh, responding to them, I should say, more or less. And, and we keep feeding that. And maybe that keeps us sort of out of uh, pushing boundaries and changing, you know, our style or changing or trying something new and trying something experimental. And, you know, like I'm talking before about the, uh, the, the Polaroid camera that I have, and that's so, sort of way out of my, you know, uh, comfort zone because it's, you know, I have a one time to shoot a picture and, and I have to get it right, you know, otherwise the picture doesn't work. And, and there's, con well, the consequences are, it's like two to three bucks per print. So I've, you know, there's money, uh, kiss it goodbye. Uh, and so do I, you know, translating that to, to digital imagery and these, and this like machine learning and even the learning that I'm doing with my own processing, do I want to keep catering to what everybody is thinking is, oh, well, that's really great, you know? great style. Do I want to keep doing that or do I want to uh, not pay attention to that and maybe pay attention to those 100 people, not the 900 people, and, and see what new things I can do when I really push myself. So anyway, I want you to think about this because you're going to start seeing this stuff come up more. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not really trying to put a, a, a judgment on it. Uh, it's not what I want to do. Um, but I can see that there are people who take pictures and they look at them and I get some people in my classes, my street photography classes, and they take a picture and they look at it sideways and like, you know, their eyes cross and they say, it doesn't look good. What, you know, what am I not doing right? And, you know, there's, there could be a whole bunch of, uh, things that they could do to improve the picture. But, you know, if they want to just sit down and they want to press a button and the machine is going to look at it and say, well, let's increase the contrast and let's change the color saturation based on this knowledge that the machine has, that might be fine with them and they might end up with the pictures that they want. And, you know, maybe this, maybe at some point this kind of technology will be embedded into the camera itself. My gosh, I just thought about that. <laughs> uh, that would be really weird. Um, because yeah, that's happening as you take in the picture, like you take the picture and it spits it out and all of a sudden you've got this shot that was like, wow, this is, you know, and then maybe, maybe at some point, how about this? The camera is directing you to take a picture. Like you're, you're trying to frame it in a certain way and it's giving you hints uh, as to how to frame the shot. So basically you're, it's using the machine learning to direct you uh, into taking the picture that's going to be the most satisfying. Now that to me is, <laughs> that's dangerous. Um, that's very dangerous. And I'm going to use that word this time because that, that's crazy, man. Because that's like the beginning of Skynet. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, it's directing you to do something based on its, you know, written algorithm, based on some survey. So the camera is, is moving around. So you, okay, so you're setting up a frame, right? You're going to take a picture of, say, the Grand Canyon. And uh, it's saying uh, it, it won't let you take the shot until you sort of adjust the frame in a certain way that you get like maybe, let's say, 70% of the features that it thinks is worthwhile. You know, you get those things in the frame and then it'll release the shutter for you. It'll say, okay, now you can take a picture. And then it'll take the picture and then it will process it for you and it will spit something out. And you will have had very little to do with that image 
other than holding the damn camera, like traveling to the place, holding the damn camera, and uh, sort of pointing it in a general direction. And it is going to, the, the AI, the artificial intelligence, is going to, um, you know, force you to take the picture that it wants. And there's, you know, it's not too crazy to think about that because, um, was there a camera? I'm going to get this not exactly right. That, and uh, I don't have time to research it now. I don't want to do it while, while I'm live. But I think it was a, I don't know if it was a Fuji or a Sony camera that was doing one of two things. I'm going to, like I said, I'm not going to get this exactly right. It was either not taking the picture when someone was blinking or not taking the picture when someone was, smile, when someone was not smiling or it was being able to adjust the smile of somebody after the picture was taken. So it was basically making sure that everybody in the picture looked happy. Now, um, I'm sure once this comes out, you know, I'll probably research it a little bit more. Um, but you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But like that already exists. Like I know that that something like that exists. So the the machine is telling us, you know, what to do and what not to do. You know, think about uh, self-driving cars. You know, when in the, in this case, this is going to serve a really good purpose. It's going to keep you on the road. It's not going to you're not going to swerve. You're going to fall asleep in the car, and you know, go off the side of the road most likely. All those things the machines are serving you to sort of keep you safe. But who's to say that at some point the machines aren't going to serve us to choose, uh, you know, to take a picture or create something that. Um, I want to say it thinks because it is not alive. The machine is not alive, but the algorithm has sort of forces you to do one thing or the other. And, and maybe people will be fine with that. You know, people were like, you know, I can't really take a good picture to save my life. And I went to all these classes and stuff like that, but I got this camera and I don't know, all the pictures I take are beautiful. You know, they're great. I love them. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the, uh, the lack of imagination and the, or the lack of even, uh, you know, improving, you know, just letting the machine do it for you. So, you know, I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, I, I probably am not that far off from this. If we've got applications that are, are uh, allowing you to um, process based on what, you know, popular imagery looks like, it's not going to be far off that someone sticks it in a camera and says, you know, hey, this camera is going to, this camera will help you take better pictures. And therefore, we go back to that. Like when someone looks at you and says, hey, that's a great camera. I bet it takes great pictures. I'm like, well, hey, man, what about me? Now, 40 years of school and learning and stuff like that has something to do with it. But, you know, bypassing that and going right into having the camera choose the picture for you. I mean, let's go even further, right? You know, at some point, you won't even have to go someplace to take the picture, right? You'll just be able to pull it off of Google imagery, you know, and, and create your own image from it. Anyway, I don't know. That's kind of kind of crazy, I think. Um, but probably not far off. I like to think that, uh, you know, if, if someone can think about it, it's going to happen. So uh, not my cup of tea, but uh, hey, maybe it is for somebody else. But like, hey, you know, uh, let's let's discuss this on Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> I like to keep the conversation going. All right, so I have spoken to you guys for 50 minutes. That's about my limit and probably your limit for hearing my voice and not me putting to, putting you guys to sleep. So uh, let's, call it a, let's call it a night, you know. I will be able to get a, a second episode out at uh, the end of January, the way, this, the way things are going now. Uh, yeah, that's my goal this year, and uh, I'm going to stick to it, you know. <laughs> I'm going to remember this, this day that I had the... Uh, the it recorded it and it came out bad. I'm just going to say, okay, from now on, test out the recordings ahead of time. So anyway, anyway, that being said, thanks for hanging, hanging with me for, you know, a little while, giving your attention. Um, you guys can find us at uh, switchtomanual.com uh, where you can find links to our podcast and links to our book. And um, uh, one of the places you can find us is uh, um, when you can find on our website is our, we have a portfolio review. So if you want to help support the site, a great way to do that is to look at your portfolio, and uh, we have some paid versions of it. And we have a free version, but if you want uh, some professional feedback on some of your pictures, uh, give us a try. You know, send us your pictures, and we will uh, send you feedback. It's a great way to support the site. Also, another great way to support the site is 
we have a uh, PayPal button. So if you guys want to send us some jump change uh, and help uh, let help produce this show, uh, that would be great. And actually, I'd like to thank one of our listeners, uh, our uh, friend uh, Dwight Jefferson, who follows us on Twitter, uh, sent us a, a donation and has helped uh, help produce this show. So I really want to thank uh, Dwight for his gracious and 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 very thoughtful um donation to uh to street shots uh dwight we really thank you um tom and i thank you a lot and really appreciate it and you are today an official uh um producer of this episode <laughs> so th- thanks so much we really appreciate it, it was really um someone reaches in their pocket and gives gives us their hard-earned money to help us produce this show um really means a lot to both of us and uh and it means a lot to the rest of the community because it helps uh helps me keep going and uh you know it's a it's a great way to um to support uh, what we're doing you know knowing that we're going in the right direction so thanks dwight thank you so much also you can find us on uh facebook please follow us there we like to keep the conversation going there uh we're at twitter at switch the number two manual so switch to manual we're also on instagram at switch the number two manual so switch to manual and uh I'm trying to build up the instagram a little bit and putting more fun stuff on there like photo quotes and stuff like that so give us a follow there if you can it'd be great to uh, start seeing uh seeing if we can start a good community there also on Flickr, which you can get to through our website and i'm probably missing a f- few other things that i can't think about uh, if, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> you guys know the ending to this show as it goes on. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, what we have in store for this year. Probably more interviews and, um, hopefully Tom will be able to join, uh, once in a while. I know he's a busy family man and, uh, I really love doing the show with him and, uh, hope he is going to be able to have some time for us, uh, this year. So, uh, and he's in graduate school too, so it's going to be a little tough. So, uh, let's see. I think that's it. You know, that's all I can think of right now. Um, so just, uh, just keep following us and tell you, tell your friends about us, uh, spread the word. And, uh, it's the best thing we can do is get this community growing. Uh, I really love doing the show with you guys. So, uh, anyway, thanks. And I'll see you later. And as Tom would say, adios. <laughs>